Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. I went shopping for my mother-in-law and I was thinking, yes, I'm nailing this. I've got her the right colour bag. Hopefully she's not listening to this. Um, And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to get them to gift wrap it because it is not my gifting. And I'm standing there watching them do it. And it turns out it's not their gift either. (laughs) This woman is out to sabotage me. (laughs) So that's my warning to you as Christmas shoppers. Beware of gift wrapping. (laughs) Um, So my name's Sophie. If I haven't met you, it's my pleasure to come and share the word with you this morning. Some of you are probably wondering if Thor has entered our congregation. (laughs) His name is Joshua, and he's got a nice big ring on his finger. Um, So I'm speaking this morning on a topic that's dear to my heart. I love worship. And so thank you so much, Dave, for giving me this opportunity. And um, let's just give a clap for Dave and Michelle. Dave and Michelle, if you don't know, they've really stepped up in terms of what they've given to this campus. And they've put their hands up in a really tricky season. And I think they're doing a great, great job at taking care of us and leading us forward into whatever God has next. So let's pray, shall we? Yeah. God, I thank you so much. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. I thank you, Lord, you created every single one of us. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, and we just pray, come and have your way this morning. Open this book to us, and would you speak to us? God, I thank you, and I just pray, um, may your word remain, and may everything else just fall away. Amen. So, I told Nathan he has to actually listen to my sermon this morning, because he's got some slides to follow through. Um, So today, I'd love to unpack a biblical definition of worship. So if you're a note taker, you could title this Anytime, Anywhere. And I don't know what you think of when I say worship, maybe like the slow section after the fast songs. (laughs) Or um, if you're my high school friends, um, they thought it was pretty funny that Christians would like lift their hands in worship. They said, "Why why do you do that? It's so weird. And I'm thinking to myself, have you been to a Coldplay concert? (laughs) What is everyone doing? They're lifting their hands. Honestly, I think we all worship some ship. I think by the end of this morning, I'm really hoping that we'll be thinking about worship in a new light as being something of the inner life, something of the heart and of the mind rather than this outward ritual. I'm also hoping by the end of this morning, you will be convinced Jesus is the only one worthy of your worship. So we better get into some scripture before I get into trouble. Uh, let's go to Romans 12:1. So zoom in with me. And it reads like this in the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So a little bit of background. This is a New Testament scripture in the book of Romans, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to the Roman church in the first century. 
So Jesus has come, he's died, he's been resurrected, and the message of the gospel has spread beyond the borders of Israel into the surrounding regions. So this church was said to have quite a large Jewish component. Um, so the Jews are the people that we read about all throughout the Old Testament, and they're living in Rome, which is populated by Gentiles, which is everybody else. So if you're here today, you are probably a Gentile, unless you have some Jewish ancestry that I don't know about. So this is a mixed church, and this scripture is like a pivot point to the whole book of Romans. So the first 11 chapters, Paul is going to great lengths to explain salvation history. He's going to great lengths to um, explain Christ, the fallenness of humanity, and he's deliberately seeking to undermine any sense of ethnic pride or arrogance in them. If I was a Jew, I might think to myself, I'm chosen by God, I'm special and I'm superior. That's what he's arguing against. And if I'm a Gentile who's come to know Christ, I might be tempted to think I'm better than the Jews who haven't yet um, come to understand Christ as Lord. So he's deliberately seeking to undermine any sense of pride and he's wanting to help them understand everybody's fallen short of the glory of God and we are all under the mercy of God and the grace of God. The only thing that matters at this point is whether someone's in Christ and so we've got nothing to boast about and the only response is, wow, look at the salvation plan of God. Look at the mercy of God. Who is able to bring people from all backgrounds together into one family? And that's Jesus. So that's where the therefore comes into. In light of the marvelous, glorious mercy of God, he urges them or pleads with them as brothers and sisters, so regarded as being in the family of God, in view of God's mercy, which is to Jew and Gentile alike, to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The following chapters 12 to 16 have some really, really practical instructions on how do you actually follow the Lord? What does it look like in a diverse community to be a Christian? And we won't be delving into that today, but let's go back and zoom in on our scripture. I think there's some really basic things that we can see at first glance. First, that there is proper worship, which by default suggests that there's improper worship. There were all kinds of really detestable worship in the ancient world, including things like child sacrifice. There's some pretty gnarly stuff going on. So Paul is saying there is actually proper worship and God cares how he's worshipped. Secondly, that true worship flows from an understanding of the mercy of God. So God is not expecting a, ro a robot. He's not, he's not looking for the outward. He's looking for the inward. You can't actually worship the Lord without a revelation of Christ through the Holy Spirit in you. That's where true worship is birthed. And thirdly, um, that the way in which God desires to be worshipped is with our bodies as living, holy sacrifices, which ultimately brings pleasure to God so let's unpack those last few things and figure out what does this mean for us today? Now, the Israelites had a history with God that we read about in the Old Testament. God's revealed himself as their deliverer from Egypt. He's rescued them from slavery. He's given them his Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law. And he set in place priests in the community. And these priests would slaughter animals. Sorry if you're vegetarian. Burn them on the altar and smoke would rise to God as an offering. This was their worship. 
And this practice took place for centuries. So when the Jews are hearing this letter from the Apostle Paul, they can't hear the word sacrifice without picturing these costly offerings. What Paul is trying to do is build a bridge here on the foundations already laid in the Old Covenant. And he's pointing to a new and renewed enhanced practice of a new and better covenant in Christ. The ancient world also understood sacrifice as a term of religious devotion. So whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, everybody listening to this understands sacrifice is rich with meaning. This better covenant is depicted by the word living. So rather than a once and done event where an animal has one chance to give glory to God, you know, unwillingly, (laughs) the life of a believer in the new covenant of grace contrasts radically in that it is continual. It's not a once and done thing. It's nonstop. A believer is a sacrifice in that they've been crucified with Christ. They've been raised with him and now they live as slaves of righteousness leading to holiness So as a believer daily puts to death the deeds of the flesh by God's grace, they also get to walk in the resurrection power of Christ. So in this way, they're living. The animal kind of goes from from life to death, but we go from death to life. So no longer does the worship of the believer have the limitations of being confined to the Jewish priesthood. This is good news for us. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, the life of a believer is a continuous offering with no end, which brings continual glory to God. And if you like maths, it's an exponentially better covenant. (laughs) Now the word body, let's talk about that. Body can be understood in a few different ways. We've kind of already alluded that child sacrifice was a practice of the ancient world. Paul is not, he's not suggesting for a minute that we do that. I think what Paul is trying to suggest here is that faith produces deeds. We know that faith takes on flesh and it becomes embodied. Faith isn't faith unless it has somehow affected your speaking, your thinking, your hands and your feet, your coming and your going. Faith produces deeds. Faith without deeds is dead. He's fighting against the notion that faith can be this mental thing or this purely private internal thing. Now, coming back to sacrifices, we know sacrifices are usually made on behalf of others. So to make a bodily sacrifice, is, it's more than just corporate worship. It's actually learning to live for others out of obedience to Christ, bearing each other's burdens. There's an idea out there that the body is evil and needs to be done away with. And Paul's coming against that and he's saying, no, Christ has come and redeemed our bodies and he's made them holy. It's awesome. He came for all of you. And in the resurrection, guess what? You're not going to be disembodied spirits. You're going to have a resurrected new body. I'm happy about that. (laughs) Anyone else happy about that? It's awesome. Now let's come to this word holy. Some of you might like shudder at the idea of the word holy because you're like, what is that? Now holy just means set apart. So as believers, you're both already holy because Christ is in you and he has made you holy. And at the same time, we're undergoing this sanctification process where we get to grow in personal holiness. So true worship can only come from those who have been set apart by God himself through the Holy Spirit. That's what true worship is. 
So worship in this way is what pleases God because it all comes from faith. It's a gift. It's not of ourselves. So we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, some translations, rather than true and proper worship, read, this is your informed or your rational worship. So rather than blindly worshiping a God out of superstition or like a rub the genie, is that what it is? Yeah, that, that kind of thing. It's not that. We don't offer ourselves ignorantly like an animal. The worship God desires is one where we offer ourselves with the engagement of the mind, and this brings glory to God. So what does this mean for us today? I would say that by God's grace, this means that worship can happen anytime, anywhere. Your whole life can be an offering to God. It's good. You can worship God in the way you change a nappy. You can worship God in the way you drive a truck, the way you speak to your spouse, the way you pray for others, the way you smile at someone. Everything, your whole life can be worship. Worship can be anytime, anywhere, because it speaks to an inner reality rather than to one outward prescribed form. It's from the inside out, and praise God, how boring to only be worshipped in one way, and God is not boring. Have you seen giraffes? He is not boring. I also think God, God is beautiful. Like, how beautiful is a God who would stoop so low and seek glory out of the changing of a nappy? He wants it all. Now, some of you came here um, to hear me speak about Hillsong and Bethel, and I can feel your disappointment. Just chill. I'm getting there. <laughs> Now, in light of this broader understanding of biblical worship, where does this leave us for musical worship, which is this thing that we do every week? Shout out to our worship team, uh, Israel Houghton and Kim Walker-Smith. So good. If you haven't noticed, our church loves worship. I'm so glad. So the Bible's littered with exhortations to sing praise to God, sing him songs, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, But if you do a survey of the Old Testament, you're not going to find a specific prescriptive ideal in terms of what it has to look like. The outward form is actually besides the point. Jesus makes this point in one of his gospels when he says to the woman, it's not going to matter whether you worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He goes on to say that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. It's good. He's introducing the better temple, which is himself. So you don't have to worry about accessing the physical temple of Jerusalem to worship. With the Holy Spirit inside you, worship can happen anytime, anywhere. It flows from what is happening inwardly. It's a willing heart and a renewed mind, deliberately setting your gaze and your affections on Christ. The expression of that varies completely from tradition to tradition, from culture to culture, from morning service to night service, from youth to Sundays, and that's okay. It's actually primarily not about the music. All that plays a role. Um, Lyrics in particular need to be grounded in truth or the Holy Spirit can't really flow, but it's just not what worship is primarily about. Worship can also be dynamic. God inhabits our praises. He has come and he does still come as we offer ourselves in song. There can be a manifest presence of God. 
your spirit can be quickened to the reality of God in the natural realm. And who doesn't love that? God's presence is the fullness of joy. His love is better than life and better is a day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I do believe there's a special nature to corporate worship when we come together. Ephesians 5.19 instructs us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. God's word says that where there's unity, there's a blessing. So when a room full of people come together with hearts overflowing for the Lord, there's a blessing that transcends our individualism. Your heart is warmed towards Christ, but then something else kind of weird happens. Suddenly your heart is warmed afresh towards your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You can't hate who you worship with, (laughs) and God knows it. Musical worship is one of the avenues that God uses to foster unity and love in his church. And when you think about it, how else is God going to achieve a sense of family in such a diverse group of people? The answer is Christ and Christ worship. He's the great unifier. His love transcends the dividing wall of hostility in the first century between Jews and Gentiles, and it continues to do so today. His kindness overrides prejudice, and it builds something beautiful as we come together in his name. When people gather in Christ's name, they then become this outpost of the kingdom of God through whom others will come and join into the family. Now, I love music more than the average person, I was really blessed growing up. My dad um, had a really eclectic mix of music. We listened to anything from classical to Enya, Van Morrison, Bob Marley and the Wailers, The Killers, whole range of stuff, and I'm really grateful. I remember being 13 and being gifted one of those new iPods. I think it was like 30 gig at the time. I loved it. I would jump on LimeWire, which I don't recommend, and um, grab whatever music. And morning and night, I was headphones in on my school bus listening to music. I probably listened to minimum 2,000 hours of music by the time I left high school. And I remember being in the, in the car with my friends, and I was always the DJ, probably because no one else got a chance, because I thought that I had the best taste. <laughs> it is funny, though, how God works with your frame and your personality, though, because some of the first encounters that I ever had with God were through musical worship. There's some things. Worship, worship was where my broken little heart found a way of opening up. And I think it's because there's some things that are better played than spoken. There's some notes that strike an inner chord where words can't get to. See, music can tell the Jesus story. It's just a different medium to the spoken word. There's a beauty to it that can transcend race, gender, culture, religion. I remember as a teenager, honestly, the first few years of my walk with the Lord was just putting on the worship and thanking God through song for his love for me and for saving me. It's been a frequent avenue God has used to breathe life into my soul and bring refreshment. It also happens to be a place where he'll often bring a word of encouragement or a prophetic picture. It's a gift and it's a vehicle given to the church for the purposes of connection. The best thing about worship is that God himself desires it. The Father seeks worshipers such as these. He works in us to move us to this place of genuine worship, worship in spirit 
and in truth. He's looking and he's desiring a people set apart for himself, a people in whom he can come and dwell, a people in whom he can come and make a home in. This is actually why we exist. Some clever people once wrote that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We have a heavenly father who longs to be known, adored and treasured as Lord in our lives and our hearts and our minds. Not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as well. That Sunday might be a glorious culmination of a community set apart for God. Some of you are asking the question, does my life really matter? The answer is a resounding yes. If you think God is indifferent towards how you spend your affections and your life, can I tell you this is a grand old lie. There's a cosmic battle for your attention and your affections. The enemy would love nothing more than to see you set your affections and your heart and your attention on anything other than God. The enemy knows that how unfulfilling that is and how destructive it is. On the contrary, Christ came to give you life and life to its fullest. Now, God doesn't require worship as though he needed anything. I think there's actually a greater purpose in it. God's longing for communion through his Holy Spirit. There's an intimacy he desires more than us as he stands at the door and knocks, humbly offering himself. Right from the beginning of time, he's never been after lip service. He's been after willing hearts. That each and every believer might depict Emmanuel, God with us. Glorious treasure held in jars of clay. It's beautiful. Jesus is forever dignifying and lifting up the human condition. How great is this all-surpassing love that has been lavished on us in his son, Christ Jesus, who is like you, Lord. Oh, that he would step down to serve us and bring reconciliation at his expense. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, I'd love to pray for two groups of people. I'd love to pray for anyone who doesn't yet know Christ. If you feel like the Lord is knocking on your heart this morning, I'd love to pray for you. And the second group of people I'd love to pray for is you've known Christ, but your affections are elsewhere. I've had those seasons where it feels like I know that my heart isn't right with him. I know there's a bitterness or a heaviness or just a real lack of joy. And I just want to tell you today that God is rich in mercy. I've been saying that psalm. I've said this psalm multiple times in the last few years. Create in me, Lord, uh, a pure heart and bless me with a steadfast spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me from your presence. Give me a, renew my spirit and, um, so that I can be sustained. God is rich in mercy. 
and he desires to refresh you. There's a joy that can be found in worship. There's a freedom that can be found. And I just believe he wants to set some hearts free this morning, hearts that are heavy, hearts that are struggling. God can't do anything with it until it comes into the light. So I want to encourage you, God is the safest person on earth to give your baggage to. You have to actually admit to him that you're mad at him sometimes. You have to admit that you're struggling. And do you know what? He loves that. He loves to answer those prayers that say, give me a pure heart, Lord. So I wonder if we could um, bow our heads and close our eyes. And if there's anyone here who would like to respond to any of that, either you don't know Christ yet and you feel him knocking on your heart, or if there's anyone here, you just know you need a refreshing on a heart level for Christ. If there's anyone in those camps, then would you would you lift your hand so I can see, so I can pray for you? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Well, God, we just thank you so much for every person here and every person who's responded. God, we thank you. You're so rich in mercy, and it is your desire to give them the joy of the Lord afresh. Why don't we just all lift our hands right now in this moment? We're doing this as a community. We're a people of faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you love to bring joy to your children. You love to refresh people and you love to satisfy us with your unfailing love. So we just ask for that and we thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the refreshing of the Holy Spirit, for the renewed joy of the Lord, for hearts that are set apart from you for you, Lord. We thank you for all of that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I think we should I think we should practice what we preach. And- We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.